Our vision statement at Salem is connecting all people with God's extravagant love. So I'd like for you to say that with me. Connecting all people with God's extravagant love. Now we make connections each and every day, don't we? We connect with people at work. We connect with people in the choir, in the orchestra, in our small groups, in church. We connect with people out in the world, strangers. We connect at the bank, at the boardroom, the hospital, the clinic, all different ways. And each of us are a piece of that puzzle. I'd like for you, on the ends of the rows, there are some puzzle pieces in baskets. And I would like for, to make sure that you pass that down and make sure every person gets a piece of the puzzle here. Now this is just for you. You don't have to do anything with it. Or This is for you to write on. Maybe you can put it in um, a room where you pray or you can put it in your Bible as a mark. Some way for you to remember. And we're going to have to make sure the choir and the, and the um, orchestra get a piece of the puzzle up here. So let me get a basket of that. Sean, let me have this. Okay. Oh, we're going to need more than that. All right. We'll start with this, and we'll make sure that everybody gets a piece here. And if you don't get one, we'll make sure you get one at the end of the service there. So this is for you. Maybe you can write a word or a thought or a prayer on this as we go through the next couple of weeks in this time in which we're talking about 316 living. But what I would like to do is give you a question to ponder on this. How are you a part of God's greater puzzle? How are you a piece of God's greater puzzle? Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, touch our hearts and minds this morning. Help us to see your puzzle, God, your greater picture. May the meditations of my heart and words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. I pray that you might use me to speak your words. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I tried to put a jigsaw puzzle together, one of those big jigsaw puzzles, I think, just once in my life. That was, I think, once too many. I think I, t I went about it incorrectly. I, I tried to do this great big piece, this great big like thousand piece puzzle by myself. And I really think that these pieces, these great big puzzles like this are, are meant to do in community. I was reminded of that as I would visit my aunt before her death on her, in her assisted living home. Down the hallway there were framed puzzle after puzzle of the puzzles that the community had put together together. They had done this in community. And I imagine that the connections that they made with each other were far beyond the connections of just those puzzle pieces. I can imagine that they told stories, they shared family, they connected in their prayer life, in their community. And as they put those puzzle pieces together, I imagine that they grew to love one another even more. 
And I don't know about you, but every single time we are in that kind of activity, and I think you would agree with me, that the most frustrating piece or time is when you get to the end and there's a piece missing. Right? You can't cut a piece of cardboard to try to fit it. It won't work. So this piece is unique. There's no other shape like it in the puzzle, in the greater puzzle. And so that's it is with the church. We're all pieces of God's puzzle, just as Sean and Tim talked about. We're all part of the greater purpose that God has in store for us. And it takes each and every one of us to make the picture. Just think of the ways that you've connected just this week. Maybe people that you've met, people that you've encountered. Times in which God gave you this unique opportunity to make a connection. I was at the block party at the South City site, the connection, just for a little while yesterday as we had a memorial service here later on in the afternoon. And I was able to make some connections with some people who were there. Uh, One gentleman was watching his little girl's face get painted by the volunteers. And he looked at me and he said, this is something that we look forward to each and every year. My daughter and I come to the, to the block party, and we look forward to being with this community. We don't go to church here, but we know about the block party, the community. And he says, and I tell everybody I can about the block party and how much fun it is. The hamburgers and hot dogs were, the fumes were wafting through the neighborhood. And I could imagine that people were coming out going, who is doing all that cooking? And all of those connections that were made yesterday, I love the fact that our South City site's called The Connection. The way that we can connect people with the love of Christ. And as I said, yesterday afternoon later, we had a memorial service here for Peggy Kim. The flowers are in memory of her this morning. And so many connections that she had made along the way in her life story after story of how she shared her love and kindness and courage with people that she met. You see, each and every one of us are a piece to that puzzle. We link together as humanity. And we've been doing this since the beginning of time, really. But I think in our society today, we have a new dimension of that. We're really way beyond just our own small communities and our small groups, and and our churches, and our fellowship. We are a global community now. Amen? It takes one click of an internet or getting on a social media to connect across the world. For instance, last week, some of our clergy and some of our conference staff were in Puerto Rico uh, doing repair from Hurricane Maria. And we could connect with them, encourage them, send them a note, of encouragement, pray for them. I felt like I was a part of that journey just in the midst of being able to read and and see some of the pictures. We have one of our own serving in the Peace Corps in Samoa, 27 hours away, and yet I can open an app on my phone and I can get on Snapchat 
and I can send her a best wish or a prayer or a, a note of encouragement and love, and she usually responds pretty quickly back. Really, we, are, we have the ability to pick up the phone. How, okay, now I'm going to show my age. How many of you remember when long-distance phone calls were charged? We, we got charged for that, right? Now we can pick up the phone on our cell phone and we can call across the world, really. We can uh, be in connection with one touch of a finger. Will Bailey, our Costa Rica Mission Project's missionary and, and director of that program, he sends us notes by email or text message that says, pray for this or encourage the congregation about this. We are a global community. We're all connected to one another in so, so many ways. With one touch of a finger, with one hello, with one instance in which we can make a difference in the life of another person. 316 living, what is that about? That's what's on the front of your bulletin. And that's what I've called this connection, this 316 living. You know, if there's ever a word, I think, that has taken on new meaning and dimension, it's the word connection. And we see what it means to live in this 316 living by looking at John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave, right, his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. And then 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Do you hear this 316 kind of relationship that we have with God and with one another? John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 show us how, to we, how we are to practice that love, that love of Christ with one another. I want to read to you from the message. It's a paraphrase. And it's from the same passage that Pastor Marvin read just a moment ago. But this comes from the message. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be about ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. Wow. Eugene Peterson kind of just hits it right, right, right there, doesn't he? Yeah. That when we see a brother or sister in need and we have the means to make a difference in someone's life and we turn a cold shoulder, that means we're the ones who are making God's love disappear. Wow. And if we read further, my dear children, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. We can't just talk about what we're going to do or how we're going to live, but we actually have to step into it. We have to practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. Marvin, Eugene Peterson translated it correctly, reality. This is the truth. This is how we're living in God's reality. 
For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Isn't that the truth? That God knows more about ourselves than we do. We think we know ourselves. But I think we kind of fudge maybe a little time or two about ourselves. Oh, God, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, you know, and God really knows our heart. Or I'm going to give in this way, God, and then God knows the, that we're living in maybe that little bit of fear of scarcity. We might need it, you know. We might need it. And God knows our heart. God knows what we struggle with. He knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves in this, he says, we're bold and free before God. And we can give all of that over to God. We, can, can, we don't have to condemn our hearts any longer. We are free to give God ourselves. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we've asked for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command, he said, to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son here, that connection back to Gospel of John, and that we are to love one another. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us. By the spirit he gave us. 316 living. It's sacrificial living, isn't it? It's giving of ourselves in order to make a difference in the life of someone else. And that's so true. Benjamin Franklin once said, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. Think about that. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. When we give of ourselves, that's when we receive really the blessing. You've heard me say this before. Many of us think that we're doing, we're stepping out and we're going to make a difference and we're going to bless someone else. But when we step out and we try to make a difference, we're the ones that receive the blessing. Some of you may know and some of you may not know that, that Joe and I last year decided to uh, take in a young woman who needed a place to live. She was a senior in high school. She needed to finish high school. We did not know her. We knew of her from Patty Peterson, who she had been a part of the small group with Girl Talk for many years, and she needed a place to live. Joe and I call her our bonus daughter. Um, it was a little scary for me and Joe. We did not know her. That was stepping out for us. We were a little uncomfortable at times. We, you know, we had to get to know this young woman. She's now in her first year of college. She's at Missouri State, and we continue to pray for her, and, and you, Salem, are helping um, with her in prayers, and, and uh, we're trying to give her a little bit of a scholarship, too. I mean, we're, this church, this community of faith, really has helped this woman be able to step into her future. That's 316 living. But we're the ones who are blessed from that 
right? She receives a blessing, yes. And we're making, you, you are and we are, we're putting skin and bone on Christ's love, right? This is what Eugene Peterson said in the message translation. We're practicing real love. 316 living is that, that truth, that reality. Living in God's reality is action. As Frederick William Robertson said, truth is given not to be contemplated, but to be done. Life is an action, not a thought. Life is an action, not a thought. In these connections that we make each and every day, we have the ability to make an impact on the life of someone else. The things that we do, the things that we don't do, the things that we say, the things that we don't say, make a difference in the life of someone else. And we may never know how our edges of the puzzle piece touches the life of another in a significant way. And we always don't know the opportunities we miss too, right? We're a part of the greater puzzle. And I've had people say, well, one person, what difference can one person really make? Well, let me tell you, that missing piece messes up the whole puzzle, doesn't it? You look at that puzzle and you go, ah, there's a piece missing. The complete picture takes every piece. And that's the beauty found in a picture, God's picture, God's purpose. I want to close with this story. Um, I hope if you have... If you do not own this book, you do not know about this book, I encourage you, this is a great read. This is On Fire by John O'Leary. How many? I just would love to know how many people know who John O'Leary is. Okay, for those of you who do not know who John O'Leary is, he is a St. Louis native. At the age of nine years old, he'd watched some older boys play with fire, and he thought, I can do that trick. I'll be able to do that trick. And so at nine years of age, he gets his dad's gas tank out. And he wants to try to do that trick that he's seen the older boys do. The gas tank exploded, sending him 20 feet on fire. Over 95% of his body was burned, and he was not expected to make it. In fact, the doctor said, there's no chance this little boy will live. One person told another person, another person told another person in St. Louis, and it got around the community as a prayer request for the community, the greater St. Louis community. Someone tells Jack Buck. There's a young man at the hospital. He's been burned with over 95% of his body, and he's not expected to live. And Jack Buck did not just pray about this. He put love in action. He showed up at the hospital. And they were concerned about letting visitors in because of infection, but then they'd said there's zero chance of, his, of him living, so therefore we're going to go ahead and let Jack Buck in. 
John O'Leary describes it in the book, and he said all he could hear was the ventilator, what he called the Darth Vader breathing. Could not open his eyes. He was tied to the bed. He could not move, could not see, but he could hear. He hears a cough <coughs> and a chair pull up to the side of the bed, and he then hears a voice he knew, a voice that was his hero. This is the years that you heard the Cardinal game on the radio, right? Jack Buck's voice was something that every kid knew. And he heard Jack Buck say this, hey kid, you're going to make it, you got to fight. And when you get out of here, we're going to have John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. And then John O'Leary says he hears steps out and the door shut. And he's sitting there, think, laying there thinking, I got to tell my friends about this, right? His hero had just been in his room. And then he hears the door open again and footsteps come in, the chair pull up, a cough. Hey, kid. Now, you hear me, you listen to me, you got to fight. And when you get out of here, we're going to have John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. John O'Leary goes on to say later he found out that Jack Buck had to leave the hospital room the first time because he was overwhelmed. He fell apart in the hallway. A nurse had to put him back together. But he came back. And he came back, and he came back, and he came back. He continued to tell this little boy, right, you got to fight. you got to make it because we're going to have John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. And John O'Leary Day happened. He did live. And they came to the ballpark to celebrate John O'Leary Day. And that's when Jack Buck realized that his job was not done, that the battle had just begun for John O'Leary. As he saw this little boy with wrapped bandages around his hands and the fire had burned off most of his fingers, he realized that he had a long road to rehabilitation and a long road ahead of him. So Jack Buck didn't stop with encouragement. He put it in action, church. He put it in action. He gave him a signed baseball by all of his heroes, right? He saw the reaction uh, this little boy had to this baseball and mailed him a baseball by, signed by one baseball player, his idol, Ozzie Smith, with a note that said, Hey, kid, if you want another baseball, you got to write a thank you note to the person who signed this one. What was Jack Buck doing? He was encouraging him to learn how to write. Even though he was going to be going through excruciating pain, even though he knew that, that this was going to be a difficult road, he was encouraging him in love to do this. And he did it every week because the minute John O'Leary would get that baseball, he would rush to try to get his paper and pen and write a thank you note to whoever had signed the baseball, hoping that he would get another one. Do you know how many baseballs Jack Buck sent? 
60. 60 baseballs to a little boy needed somebody with love and action. And this is only one story about Jack Buck. He did this over and over again in his life with all different kinds of situations. He took his platform and who he was, how he was created, how he was shaped in Christ and fit the pieces for God's picture. And we do not have to be a famous baseball player. We do not have to be a famous announcer. We don't have to be some um, CEO. We don't have to play an instrument. We don't have to be able to sing a song. God's created each and every one of us with our own shape, our own gifts, fearfully and wonderfully made, unique in his image, and we fit, church. We fit. We fit as a part of God's greater purpose, God's greater picture. It's important. And when there's a piece missing, it's not complete. I ask you, this week, to hold your piece of the puzzle and pray how God has created you, how God is calling you to be part of God's greater picture. We're all in this together, the community of faith, and we all have a piece, and we all fit. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, help us to fulfill what you have called us, to step out in love, to step out with flesh and bone in your spirit, to put love in action, and to love all people in the way that you love us, because you gave everything for us. Help us to give in the love of others. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.